Uh, it clearly reflects uh, David's uh, personal experience with God. <clears throat> the psalm is probably the most memorized psalm, as you just heard, among the God's people, mainly because we hunger and thirst for such authentic and personal relationship and experience with God. Yahweh, the great I am, uh, the self-revealing one. Here in the psalm, David is remembering his old job as a shepherd long before he became the king. As he stated, uh, as, as he started to look into his life, as David started to look, reflect his life, he remembers that uh, what he was to his sheep, God has been to him a shepherd. So he uses his own job as a shepherd to describe the relationship with God and gives us a most, one of the most beautiful, poetic, practical, and impactful scripture in all of the Bible. The psalm is an expression of delight in God's goodness and, and our dependence on him. And David says, the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, Yahweh is the one that I'm looking up to, the one that I trust. The Lord attends to all my need, every need. Notice he says the Lord is. He's not saying the Lord was. He's ever present. Right now, he's taking care of you and me. Right now, he has got our backs. Right now, he has taken responsibility of us individually. And he is our personal shepherd. Notice that Lord is my, my shepherd. He is interested in me personally, and I shall not want. He has covered all of my needs. As we look at verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He refreshes my soul. He promises restoration. Some of us need restoration right now. You have been drained because of a, a health or a financial or an emotional or a relational situation. You could be at a place of despair and feel worn out by the weight of it. But in the midst of it, the Lord, the shepherd of your soul, makes you lie down in green pastures in order to get your soul restored, your soul nourished. He provides for your spiritual needs. So the first thing David says is, if the Lord is your shepherd, he will meet your spiritual needs. He will restore your soul. You may be drained today with all that is going on in your life, but our great shepherd knows how to fill you up. Now, when we read this particular uh, verse, we tend to picture a beautiful and a boundless field of grassland which is lush and boundless like what you see on the screen, right? But that's not the picture of the green pastures described here in this verse. A couple of days back, Sue shared this video with me that she came, uh, she came across on the Facebook. So I want you to take a look at it. Jay, please play the video.
As part of a shepherd lesson, I did want to look at one thing in the wilderness that will maybe surprise you a bit. Believe it or not, this is called wilderness, Midbar, but it's also called green pastures. Now, when you take a Westerner here the first time and you look at this, you find people say, well, I don't know that I can go there because the Psalm 23, the Lord leads me into green pastures, has been pictured as belly deep alfalfa. Well, you haven't seen any belly deep alfalfa. And from biblical time to today, it's rare to see a flock in the farm country. There isn't a lot of farm country in this culture. And so farmers kept the shepherds out as much as they could. Maybe they would come in a little bit after the harvest to glean what was left, but you don't want sheep where you can farm. This is the land of the shepherd. Right on the hillside across from us, you can see those grazing trails cut there by sheep maybe as long ago as Abraham's time. They're spaced so that an animal on one path and an animal on another can reach right to the middle between them. That determines the distance, so you can graze an entire hillside. And the shepherds lead their sheep across that hillside slowly, grazing what's there. Now, you look at it from here and you say, what's there? In fact, I remember my first impression. I woke up one morning, I was sleeping out in the wilderness, and I remember waking up, watching a flock of sheep on a hillside like this, and my, re my feeling was, what are those rock-eating sheep? I mean, what do they eat? How can you call this green pastures? Well, the answer is, there's a small amount of moisture present here. They get a little bit of rain every year. Not much, but a little. Second, there is humidity in the air, especially in the evening breeze, like right now, you can feel it. Coming from the west off the Mediterranean, there's moisture in the air. That moisture, combination of the rain and the humidity, condenses or drips along the edge of these rocks here. And if you notice, right around the rocks, almost always next to the rocks, you get little tufts of green. Get one a moment. That's what we refer to as the green pastures. So the shepherd looks for a hillside. That's exactly what she was doing. Look at that flock across from us there, just stunning. Those two shepherd girls have found a hillside that either was exposed to the wind or had that small amount of rain. And they move that flock across the hillside and it's one mouthful here, walk a step or two, another mouthful, another mouthful, another mouthful. Now that changes the green pasture image a little bit besides the picture changing radically. Green pastures are not everything you need for the rest of your life. If you make that belly deep alfalfa, then what God is saying, if you follow me, I'm going to plunk you down and you'll never have to move an inch the rest of your life. Just reach out and grab it. Tell me that your life with God has been like that. Worry, said one rabbi, is dealing with tomorrow's problems on today's pasture. In the desert, you learn, the shepherd will get you what you need for right now. Ten minutes from now, you trust the shepherd just enough. That definitely, you know, kind of changed the picture that we do have about the green pastures, right? Green pastures are not everything you need for the rest of your life. When you follow the shepherd, he will provide what you need right now.
And like he said, 10 minutes from now, you trust the shepherd again. If the Lord is your shepherd, he will direct your path. Look at what he says in verse 3. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. When you travel to an unfamiliar place, we use a navigator or found on, or found on our vehicle or one of the many apps that you find on your cell phones. And not very long before that, we used to have a map in our vehicles. That's a thing of the past. So the navigation apps are there to guide you all along the way, especially when you travel to an unfamiliar destination. It is designed to take you from where you are to where you want to be. While sometimes it can fail you, it does work most of the time. If man can devise something that can navigate you from point A to point B, think about God who created all things, who sees everything, who knows where everything is located. If the Lord is your shepherd, he navigates your life. Navigator in your car is good for your journey. But for my journey, I need my own navigator that detects my location and that provides me the right direction to the destination that I need to be. The worst thing that you can do is to piggyback on someone else's personal relationship with God. Not everyone starts at the right place. So not everyone is taking the same pathways to reach their destination. That's where you need your shepherd to guide you down the right path. Why does he say that? Because we as a sheep are prone to wander. If you notice that a sheep, you know, if you have watched a shepherd leading the sheep, you will find that the sheep is not such a bright animal. They regularly take the wrong path when they are out on their own. The Lord is your shepherd. He will take, while he take care of all your spiritual need, he restores your soul. He will meet your directional need as well. He will show you the way you should go. As we look at verse 4, not only the directional need, he provides and he meets all your emotional needs as well. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There is a whole lot of things that you can be afraid of today. Some of you may be worried about a job situation or a health diagnostics that could potentially threaten your life or your loved one's life. Or, or uh, you're uh, concerned about the wrong direction your child is taking. That could be dangerous. There is a whole lot of things that you could be fearful about today. But it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, as you know, a valley is a low place between the mountains. Some of you may be finding ourselves in that valley today, in a low place. But all of us would like to be on a mountain top, the high place, 
where everything is going good, good job, good health, all is well in the family. But the reality is that you can go from mountain to mountain without going through the valley. While valley is a low place, the good news about it is that a valley is a mountain waiting to happen. Only if you walk through the valley, the word says, if, uh, the word says even though I walk through the valley. When we encounter a situation that can be stressful and make us fearful, when we take our focus off our shepherd, fear takes over and fear then makes way to cynicism, which paralyzes us from moving forward. I have been reading uh, the book, A Praying Life, uh, by Paul Miller, if you have read it, and I came across uh, what we often experience. So let me read that out to you. The movement from na naive op optimism to cynicism is a new American journey. In naive optimism, we don't need to pray because everything is under control. Everything is possible. In cynicism, we can't pray because everything is out of control. Little is possible. With the good shepherd no longer leading us through the valley of the shadow of death, we need something to maintain our sanity. Cynicism's ironic stance in a weak attempt to maintain a lighthearted equilibrium in a world that has gone mad. These are not, these are not just benign cultural trends. They are your life. At some point, each of us come face to face with the valley of shadow of death. We can't ignore it. We can remain neutral with evil. We either give up and distance ourselves, or we learn to walk with the shepherd. There is no middle ground. Without the good shepherd, we are alone in a meaningless story. We are in us, and the fear leaves us feeling overwhelmed, unable to move. Cynicism leaves us doubting, unable to dream. The combination shuts down our hearts, and we just show up for life, going through the motions. Some days, it's difficult to get out of our pajamas. I have my fears, and so do you. I fear about what could happen if our collaborators in the mission field get hurt in many ways in the midst of uh, intense persecution unfolding. In fact, in the last six months, I got multiple calls right when I'm getting ready to go to bed, late in the night that one of our key leaders could be arrested when a baseless, forceful conver conversion charges was leveled against him. Now, in that culture right now, if someone moves a case against you on a forceful conversion, you are thrown to jail without an option for bail. Then there are fears of our supporters dropping the support. There are fears of leaving the family behind and going to the dangerous unknowns. In fact, Sue and I are getting ready to leave for the very first time, leaving the children behind this week. But one of the experiences that helped me overcome the fear when I first came to this land to pursue my theological education. Those days I was meeting my expenses with a small stipend that was re received from my work program that was on campus. But that was not just enough. Knowing this, my dad had entrusted some funds 
with one of my friends, one of his friends in the East Coast, who would send me a check every month. And uh, uh, I was uh, sharing an apartment with uh, a friend of mine during that time, and uh, this particular month he had gone to India to get married, and I was asked to pay for the full rent with an agreement that uh, the, once the friend come back, he's going to pay the full amount the following month. And I still remember the rent of that apartment was $585 at that time. This is about almost 20 years ago. Since we both didn't have any established credit in this country, the apartment was given to us on a month-to-month -month lease. So I reached out to my dad's friend, asking him to send me the funds to cover the whole rent that month. And the due date for the rent was fast approaching, and uh, the check didn't come. Frantically, I was uh, calling this man multiple times. Uh, for some reason, I couldn't get a hold of him. I think he was out of town. Finally, the due date came. I didn't have anyone to reach out to in a place where I have no one that I knew. In my fear, I reached out to God. I knew that I needed to pay this rent by noon that day. When I checked my bank account, I had about $10 in there. My stipend would cover half of the rent, and it was not going to come until a few days later. I still remember driving uh, my roommate's broken 87 Mazda 626 with a broken transmission down the street with my heart on my mouth to the seminary that morning. Got into my office. I fell on my knees crying to God to come through. Just around 10 a.m., my phone rang. Uh, I picked it up. It was one of the administrators at the institution asking me to come to his office. I was already in fear. And now an administrator is calling. What now? I thought in my heart. Walked into his office, he said, the Lord has been nudging my heart all night to give you this, and he passed me an envelope. Opened the envelope, and I found a check for $600. This amazing hand of God, from that day on, has given me the faith to walk into many unknowns, despite fear, because I know for sure, as long as I have the shepherd of my soul guides me, as I place myself in the center of his will, because he is with me, I can face anything and everything that comes my way. And I have seen him doing amazing things, countless times of need, regardless whether it is spiritual, emotional, relational, or financial, all along the way. And I am sure you have experienced something similar in your life as well. However, the key is that when you and I find ourselves in the valley, we must keep walking. It is not a place where you stay still and whine about the stuff that is happening in your life. You got to walk through it. While you are in a place where you don't feel good, the only way to get out of it is by walking. Walking right through it. Not only that you walk through the valley, the Bible says, those words says, it says you walk through the valley of darkness. When the sheep is going down the valley, 
the sun is going down behind the mountain on either side of the valley and it will cast darkness in the valley. Sheep, by nature, is not the brightest animal, as I said before. So it may think that it is going to be, to be nighttime. So the sheep becomes afraid until it, it remembers that the shepherd is with it, leading the way. Though I walk in the valley, no matter how bad things are, how depressing it is, how painful your circumstances are, there is no way you can stop. You must keep walking. And if you are today finding yourself in a dark valley, may this psalm remind you that this is not the time for you to quit. This is not the time for you to think about suicide. This is not the time for you to think about giving up on your marriages. And certainly this is not the time to give up on interceding on behalf of your child who is going in the wrong direction. This is not the time to give up and quit. This is the time to keep walking through that valley. Because valley, like I said before, is a mountain waiting to happen. While in the valley where darkness overtakes your vision, you can't see anything ahead of you. You may be in doubt, you may be questioning God and his promises, but who else is going to help us through this valley? Look at the next verse. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord, the great shepherd, he is with you. He is with you in the valley. He is with you when you can't see anything ahead of you. Come, going back to Paul Miller, he says, We are left obsessing over our wants in the valley of the shadow of death, paralyzed by fear in the presence of our enemies. No wonder, no wonder so many are so cynical. With the good shepherd gone, we are alone in a world of evil. In contrast, a childlike spirit interprets life through the lens of Psalm 23. Jesus acts out, Psalm 23, at the feeding of the 5,000. When he sees that the crowd are like sheep without the shepherd, he feeds them spiritually by teaching them many things. Then he has them sit down on the green grass and, and feeds them with so much food that their baskets overflow, as we find in Mark chapter 6. And he concludes, both the child, you mean the childlike spirit, and the cynic walked through the valley of shadow of death. The cynic focuses on the darkness while the child focuses on the shepherd. Often we feel that the Lord is only with us on the mountaintops when everything is going well. But what David says is that you are not alone in that valley. When you are in the low places, when you are in a place of despair, when the darkness casts doubts over your life, when darkness casts fear of the unknowns, we are comforted by the presence of our shepherd who is leading us through it all. Not only the comfort of the great shepherd guiding us, the following words, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Staff is a big stick with a hook on it and it, that is used 
by the shepherd to lead the sheep. The staff is also used to reach out and pull the sheep out of the thicket that sometimes sheep find itself stuck in. The rod is a club that is to protect the sheep from the predators, often hiding in the dark valley. Sami says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Shepherd has on one hand is the rod, his power, and on the other hand, the staff, his grace. When you walk behind the shepherd, who has the power and the grace, you are going to make it through the valley. If you keep walking, that's the key. And if you keep your eyes on the shepherd, you will make it through the valley. Moving on to verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. As we found already, the presence of the shepherd does not mean that we are without difficulties. The presence of the shepherd doesn't mean that, the, that our en enemies are eliminated forever. The presence of our shepherd is a table prepared in the presence of our enemies. In the midst of a very bad situation, when things don't look good, God, our shepherd, shows up and make a way out of no other way in a very difficult situation. And at the table, of course, is a symbolic representation of our fellowship with our God. In the midst of the trials, our source of joy is the presence of our Savior. He prepares a table before me. He prepares a table for us. He anoints our head with oil, our cup overflows. Whether we are looking at the shepherding metaphors here or picture, picturing an actual table fellowship, the main theme of Psalm 23 is the joy of being in a personal relationship with God, a relationship that has no end. Verse 6, surely goodness and the loving kindness or the mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, I love the word that surely, it says surely, that reaffirms everything that follows. He doesn't say hopefully, he doesn't say probably or perhaps, surely, for sure, goodness and loving kindness in some versions I love the word mercy that follows me all the days of my life. If you, have, if you have watched the shepherd leading the sheep, you probably will see a couple of sheep dogs uh, following the, the herd. The goodness and the mercies are like the sheep dogs that follows the sheep all the days. Goodness is God's favor and mercy receiving what you don't deserve. Not only that he leads you from the front, his goodness and mercy, these two sheepdogs, they follow you all the way, all the days of your life. Our shepherd takes care of all our needs. But the question is, is the Lord your shepherd? Is he the shepherd of your soul? Children, just because your parents love the Lord and just because you happen to be born in a Christian home 
doesn't guarantee you the presence of the shepherd in your life. Remember, this is all about your journey and cannot piggyback on your parents or your grandparents. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And that's what he did for you. He bled and died and purchased your pardon on that Calvary's tree so that you can be his forever. And moving on to verse 27 and 28, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. This is a promise he gives you. If you are not following him today, if he is not your shepherd today, would you allow him to be the shepherd of your life? Psalm 23 portrays life as a pilgrimage. It is a pilgrimage with God to God. And our final destination is the house of the Lord. Our final destination is an unhindered fellowship with Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. And it is our final destination that should define everything we do in the meantime. Quoting back from Ray Wendell Lee from that video that you have seen before, worry is dealing with tomorrow's problems on today's pasture. Your shepherd will get you what you need right now. Ten minutes from now, you trust the shepherd, for he is ever present from the day you declare the Lord, the great I am, the self-revealing one, the one who is supreme, the living savior, who is the shepherd of your soul. Because of that, you lack nothing. For the love, for the Lord our God, he is strong to save from the arms of death, from the deepest grave. Shall we pray? <clears throat> Shepherd of our hearts, we are so thankful that you are with us, near to us. Thank you for finding us when we were lost, gently leading, guiding, and providing what we need for the moment. May we continue to trust you even more when we find ourselves in the valley where darkness is all around. May we not focus on our darkness, rather on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Lord, we are overwhelmed by your goodness and your mercy that follows us all the days till we reach our destiny and endless joy of fellowship with you. We are so grateful for that. In Jesus' name, amen.